Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good afternoon, folks. It is a Monday afternoon. I am Dave Thompson, the director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And yes, you are on live. We are here on Podbean Live. Well, this is probably what the second Monday in a row. I'm going to quit counting them because I've got a feeling that we're going to be doing this for quite some time. Now, I do want to tell you before we get too far into the show today that uh, we will not be live tomorrow afternoon. We have a live remote class that we'll be doing. I'll talk about that in a moment. We're also going to be teaching a class on Thursday. So we're going to miss a couple of days on our live uh, broadcast um, here today, uh, this week. But I'm sure that you've got enough going on. What I'm going to talk about this afternoon is, well, kind of what the questions are that's uh, been coming in. And most of those have been about these two classes. So if you haven't signed up for one of the two classes this week, there's still time to do it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about those two classes. The first one, which is tomorrow, uh, you have time yet uh, this afternoon. If you listen to this, we'll get this podcast out so you can hear this. Um, we have a job bidding and workloading class that we do, well, probably six to eight times a year. We have this class for, well, usually limited seats. Well, as probably most everybody does, you know, it's usually live learning in our classroom. But being that this is workloading um, and job bidding, it doesn't really require a person to be in the class. So we've done this a few times over this last year through remote learning, and it went very well. So. Uh, not a problem for tomorrow. We have a number of people that have signed up for it, and I just got through fielding a question or two about that class. And, um, you know, that's the neat thing about what we have these days. Yes, we have a live chat on our website. Matter of fact, we have three websites, and we have that live chat. And one of the questions that came through just a little while ago was a general service contractor that is thinking about getting into the cleaning business. Yep, you heard it right. Uh, because of what's going on, hello, Papa Don, you're good. Hey, you're live with us. You want to call in and we can chat for a little bit? Be better than me flapping my gums. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, if you want to come in and chat, I'll be glad to have you call in. That's a little phone button down there on your phone. You can just call in and we can chat. Anyway, the class tomorrow is going to be about job bidding and workloading. So everybody says, well, what is job bidding and workloading? Well, bidding a job is different than workloading and it's quite the other way around too. Uh, Papa Don, you just call in whenever you're ready and we'll just go with whatever you got to say. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, is that job bidding in my experience over the years, I used to run a contracting service myself. And if you do not know what you're bidding on and you do not set yourself up right in the pre-bid, then when you get to the workloading, you're not going to workload it right. And you really need to do both of these things before you actually turn in your formal bid. Now, one of the things we teach in class is just because you've received an RFP from an organization doesn't mean that's really what they want. Many times what you'll find is an RFP is, well, quite honestly, something that's uh, 15, 20 years old and the next person just passes on the same information and we just get the same information. 
So one of the things that we really talk about in the job bidding section of it in the morning is really what you should look for when you look at an RFP. Basically, you have to tear it apart. And the thing is, if you don't know what you're looking for, you will miss the same thing they are. And I think this is what separates professional bidding from just a person that just wants to bid it at the lowest dollar to compete with the other services. You know, the whole thing about it is, is are you in this business to make money? Are you in the business just to pay your bills? And there is a big difference. If you're simply in it to pay the bills, this probably isn't the class that you want because you're probably wanting some software that can just do it quick and easy. Give me a square footage price so I can bid it and go on. And I'm not saying that they don't work because there's plenty of them out there and I'll send you to one of those if that's what you want. On the other hand, this class is designed really to make you a professional at how to bid the job. You know, the, one of the things I tell people in this class is that what we have is we have one of the best documenting tools available. When I was in the business, we didn't have it. It's called a cell phone with a camera. One of the things is, is it documents every single place that you take a picture. Not only the time, but it documents the place. And one of the things that I think is really important whenever you're doing a pre-bid is to actually go through. Now, you know, of course, you have to ask the client's permission before you start taking snapshots of their facility. But what this does is when you put this into your RFP that you send back to them, you know, it's actually going to make everybody remember exactly what you're bidding on. I, I always tell people the devil is in the details whenever we're doing a pre-bid. It's all the details. You know, th the question here is, are they really wanting the cheapest price? And while this is what everybody believes, I have to tell you, the reason that they're choosing to go out for an RFP most generally is because they're not happy with something. Your job as a contractor is to find out what it is that isn't going right and then find out who's going to pay to get that corrected. Um, I'll talk about certain things like never accept an RFP that says as needed or as required. If you do, you're the one that's paying for it. The company is not. Now, it may sound like what I'm doing is talking about uh, being a contractor and bidding the job for profit. And while we do talk that way, there's the flip side of this. On the other side, there is what happens if we're an in-house cleaning provider. We have a budget. We have to keep our employees working. We have to keep uh, the building um, taken care of correctly. And in this times, well, you know, there's a whole lot more to it than that. We're just talking general right now. If you have a budget, are you actually making sure that you're taking care of everything? So one of the things that we'll teach you if you're an in-house provider is how to look at this from a contractor's point of view so that you're actually using your money correctly and not wasting time, not getting the job done. Because in the afternoon, then what we talk about is, yep, looks like Papa Don wants to talk. So let's see here. Let's hear from Papa Don. <laughs> I want to call it in so you have a break. That's all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll get a break. How many people you have on this podcast at the moment? You and me. Oh, good. So I can talk to you about what I want to talk about. You go Are right you ahead. I'll, I'll, I, hey, I can jump in and finish what I was going to talk about anytime. You just jump right on in. Exactly. I think you, you, you should have a, um, a segment like we do on our 10 o'clock uh, conference call in the mornings. You should have an update segment of what's going on in the industry on the supply side of things. What do you think? Well, so since Papa Don uh, here, so uh, let's tell the audience who you are and why you're calling in. Um, Don Tracy. I work with Gem Supply, same as Dave does. I'm um, an outside sales rep. I handle uh, pretty much all of Central Florida as my hunting ground. I don't have territories as such, but uh, been in the business 35 years, so I'm long in the tooth just like Dave Thompson. Oh, gee, you had to really tell everybody that. 
Well, you got to give them a visual, you know. Well, Don, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you know, we do talk about this uh, probably every afternoon. Now, I will tell you, folks, uh, since uh, Don brought this up, we are powered here at the Academy. We are powered by Jim Supply. They are a Central Florida distributor. Uh, well, kind of along I-4, but, you know, just like with everything else, because you've got trucks and transportation, we can get it anywhere. They've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. And Don's one of the outside sales force. I run the education department. Um, now, if you've, you know, one of the questions I got just a little bit ago, Don, was, oh, wait a minute. You're part of a, Jan a Jansan house. So that means all you're doing is selling product. And I had to assure him that at the academy, we're product agnostic. But one of the benefits is I can get just about any item that I want to teach in class, uh, well, usually. Right now, that's not quite so true. Yeah, I think that's a misconception that's out there uh, because it's been uh, incorrectly handled in the past. You know, you and I both have seen it done uh, the wrong way. I, I think you're, we're doing it the right way. Like you said, you don't you don't lead with product. You, you introduce product once in a while if it's unique to something. But I've not seen you ever just be the guy that says this is the product you got to use, and that's not really what we're here for. Uh, but again, I was I was just saying from the product standpoint of things, this is industry wide, so it doesn't matter where the people are that are listening to this. Across the country, you're going to see the shortages that we're experiencing, and it's not just product anymore. Uh, part of what we're experiencing is the the shortage of supply on the manufacturer's end of it. You know, the, this supply chain goes very long ways down. <laughs> to the raw good, including the, the bottles that things are packaged in, the product uh, delivery system, whether it be an aerosol or a trigger or whatever. There's a shortage of trigger sprayers out there right now. So, oh, now, who would, have, who would have ever thought there would be a trigger sprayer shortage? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't give that much thought myself, but I had been through some shortages when I worked for a manufacturer one time, and there was, I forget what it was, but it was a shortage of plastic or something. And we couldn't get bottles. We had plenty of product in tanks. We just couldn't put it in bottles. So I knew now, of course, now, 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 of course, Don, I have no problem with there being a, a problem with uh, trigger sprayers because I don't like them to begin with, and I teach against them in class. So, you know, having a shortage of trigger sprayers for me is not a big deal. Well, that might be something to look into, see, because we have to get creative in these type of scenarios. So maybe your flip top uh, that you always recommend, maybe there's plenty of those out there. We don't know. Well, and, and, and this is my point. Just because we don't have a trigger sprayer, oh, gosh, the world's going to go crazy like we didn't have toilet paper for a while. Uh, you know, we've, and I think this is what uh, we, I had some uh, um, building service contractors on the line yesterday, and they were saying we're having to look at things differently than we've done before. What are some of the challenges that you're dealing with with supplying then? Uh, well, the same challenges you're hearing about every day on the news. Uh, we, we are having trouble getting disinfectants, and, uh, and not only just the product, but we're also get, having trouble getting the uh, machinery and equipment, et cetera, sprayers, foggers, things of that nature that they want to use to implement the product. Because a lot of places now have actually finally come around to listening to us. We've been preaching this for five or ten years that you need to fog down an area with a proper fogging type of product. Uh, we use electrostatic, but there's many of them out there that work, and you need a, you need a an implement uh, to put the, apply the product to all surfaces, not just to spray it down and wipe it off type of scenario. Which, unfortunately, this industry has taught that for 30 years. I've been in it that, uh, and it's driven by I say it's been driven by the consumer side because you see it on TV all the time. Just spray and wipe. Well, I think this is the difference between what we talk about here at the Academy is commercial cleaning. We, we're not talking about residential cleaning, but so much of what we're talking about can be applied to a residence. But when we get into commercial cleaning, we're not doing what you see on TV. I know you're not, but the people who come into this industry who've never done it before, guess where they got their ground training from? The TV set. Because they've never done, if they've never done cleaning before, then they're going to do cleaning the way they see it done or have done it at their home. This is the biggest challenge I think you have, as well as everybody else in our industry, is training people how to, we clean a 20,000-square-foot building a whole lot differently than we do a 900-square-foot home. 
Well, this is the reason why the Academy has a cleaning 101 class. It was designed specifically for people that cleaned at home and either now want to get in the business or in the first year of their business, or they've got new employees that they want them to get the basics of professional. And that's what it is. We go into, you know, really tr trying to change the mindset from home cleaning to commercial cleaning. Yeah, it's always been a challenge, but it, especially in today's age, a lot of those people that we trained up in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s have gone on to, to uh, different jobs and moved on from where we are. So we trained them all up and then they left us. And now we're back to square one, retraining all these new people who have, again, never been in the industry before or never done it this way. So um, I think it's job security for all of us, actually. But hey. You know, it was interesting, as you said that, Don, I had a gentleman, um, I think it was earlier in the week last week, probably about this time last week, that had called in and everything. And uh, he wanted to know, do I really need a certification course for an electrostatic sprayer? I said, no, no one's requiring that. But I think if you'll take it, you'll probably find out something. He says, oh, I've been using it for three years. And he caught and he sent back a note and he said, mm, now I know I've been using it wrong for the last three years. <laughs> yeah, because how many times you take it out of the box and you go, oh, I know how this works. And you just run off and use it. And so, you know, so are we no are we going to are we going to see a lot of this going forward? Now, you're saying there's delays on getting product and equipment and tools so when do they when they get this? What's going to be what's going to be going on, Don? Well, I just had that conversation with uh, an airport authority. Uh, he said, asked me, he had ordered an electrostatic sprayer. I said it's going to be probably May or June till we see them coming in, and even then they're going to be allocated. He goes, well, then maybe I should probably cancel that. I said, why? And he says, well, we won't need it after that. I said, you are incorrect. <laughs> this phobia that has been created by this coronavirus is not going to go away anytime soon. So a lot of what we're going to do after this is over, after everything peaks out and we start to funnel back into work and people start to get back to normal lives, there's still going to be that underlying phobia that sticks there for a long time. And rightfully so, we should still be concerned with cleaning properly, doing proper procedures. But I think that it's going to, it, this has enlightened our, our world uh, to what we do as an industry professionals and what we offer. I think it's going to be much easier for us to have those type of conversations with people down the road when supplies start filling in and the supply chains get full. We'll be able to have some really concrete conversations with people about how they should implement proper disinfectant and sanitizing procedures. We've talked about it for years, you and I and everybody else. We've talked about it, but we get we get the the eye roll and uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you get all those re responses where people are not concerned, but I think that has the world has just changed well don i think i was on with uh, two contractors yesterday from kansas city and uh, they're going to be joining us on thursday for the accredited infection pre uh, prevention expert class uh, by the way folks if you're listening to this we've got two versions of that one is the second that we're, we're doing and then we're doing another repeat of that on the 22nd because i think don as you're saying I don't think that this is going to peak during the month of April. I don't think it's going to go away in May. I think we're still going to be looking at it in June. And my point, and the one that Mo said yesterday is, he says, going forward, yes, we'll come back down to something, but the new normal in the cleaning industry is going to be above where we were. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. That, that's my point exactly. We are never going to go back to uh zero where we were let's say where we were was zero we're never going back to zero we're going to be at a five or six at least on the the in the the information as well as the intentionality of how we do things from here on out so the thing is is they need to get into the queue if you will to get the products now because uh, as a supplier that's out there struggling with trying to get the needs met um just if they get it now, do you think that this supply chain is going to catch up in 30 days? I think some parts of it will start to look like they caught up as long as people don't go through another panic. Now, I was just watching the news this morning, and I'm from Maryland, and my kids still up or in that area. And Maryland is just now starting to see what we saw three weeks ago as far as how this epidemic is starting to bubble up. 
And a lot of it's because of the testing is getting ramped up, so they're starting to find things that they didn't even know existed out there. They're finding instant or finding cases of it um, before they didn't have that that recognition. So I think this is going to uh, ripple through the states, you know, one by one as we go. Uh, so there'll be pockets all over the, the country of where this thing lights itself up, and they don't even know if this might uh, reignite, kind of, for lack of a better word. Uh, this this virus can come back to us uh, any, at any time. I mean, in the fall, we could have another flu season that looks similar to this if we don't get ahead of it and at least at least be aware of it. Now, well, we're not doing. Thing? We're not going to kill this virus. We're only going to control it. You you, yeah. you can't kill this virus. And I think your point is what Mo was talking yesterday. Uh, he he said what we're doing is now learning what we'll have to be doing this fall. Right. Right, and be, and, be, and be entirely more intentional about it. And we will, we have all, I mean, I have, I have five or six customers that come to mind immediately about how we talk about what they should do, and they go, yeah, well, we, we don't have the budget for that. I don't <laughs> think those kind of conversations are going to take place anymore. It's going to be, here's what you should be doing, and go, okay, we got, we got uh, ABC done, but we need to do D&E. Uh, let's get that done this year. Yeah, can we afford to be closed down again this year? Yeah, I think that, the, well, that's why it's the new normal. Uh, people now look what they understand what closing down a country looks like. I mean, it's been it's been theoretical before. We didn't live through the '29 crash or the the 1918 epidemics. You know, we didn't we we as human beings didn't live through that time. We heard a little bit about it in history, but now we witnessed it. We, you and I, and a, a lot of people on this call of, of podcast remember 9-11 but there's people out here who don't know even know what it meant well even if you remember 9-11 we still it was still a very isolated thing the world the even the u.s or even the east coast didn't deal with it only a, a localized now you're talking about this is everywhere this is why your supply chain is is suffering yes because it's not localized at all this is worldwide and the worldwide supply chain is being stretched past its limits and, and stretch past its projections. Going back to what your original question was, will this be over in 30 days? The answer is no, because even if we get the supplies built up, uh, as far as the manufacturers go, again, they don't have the packaging. They project out six to eight months on their their packaging needs based on historical um, values of what they did last year. You know, here's what we project we'll need this year. So they project that out to their bottle manufacturers, their trigger guys, their labeling guys, their boxes, all those things are projected. Right now, there's no projection because nobody knows what the heck is going to happen here. So okay, so, so since you're talking about that, Don, you're talking about packaging, something came to mind. I saw a video, like we were all doing, we're sitting around home, we're trying to work from home, but usually the TV is going on in the background because we're trying to keep up with everything. Um, I saw a, a video and I'm not going to say where it was, but it was at a restaurant at a drive-thru where they put the cup of coffee on the uh, window. The guy douses it with instant hand sanitizer, takes it out of the window, throws the lid on the ground, throws half of the coffee, uh, cup of coffee out before he takes off with it. I mean, that is that is the epitome of and I'm just going to say stupidity, but yeah. my point to this is as a packaging people, as a supplier, are you running into people that don't want to touch the packaging? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's evident when you go to the grocery store. There's no, no, I'm talking about commercial packaging. You, you supply oh, commercial packaging. I don't know. Cause I'm not there when the drivers take it or, you know, I haven't been physically around that scenario yet. I'm, I'm guessing that there is some, phobias out there about that because i know the drivers our drivers are telling us they're wearing gloves or dry they're taking sanitizer with them after every unload that they do after they dock it they they cleanse their, cleanse their hands so even our drivers are aware of the potential because this virus can't live on inanimate objects it sits on the surface it can sit there for up to 48 hours they're saying i don't 17 think really days know. 17 days 17 days now. See, so they don't really know. It keeps changing. I now, see, the thing is, is, and I caught up with this, is that it came out of uh, the, uh, the cruise ship that originally had the first one in Japan. Uh, uh, they, they actually went in there, and they found that it was still on a surface and still viral after 17 days. Yeah. So this thing may not be able to be killed 
except probably by sunlight or mechanical means of you know disinfectant or whatever. Well, extre- extreme conditions. They're they're talking yeah. heat and moisture, and yeah. of course that sterilization. Yeah, you can't yeah. go and you can't go and autoclave a room. Right. Yeah, right. so I, I think that's the that's the whole thing with this is we're not going to kill this. So, do you see packaging changing? I mean, thinking outside the box, do you think we're going to go to more packaging that is not cardboard where it absorbs and stuff that can be wiped instead of? I, I honestly don't think so, but I don't. Um, like you just said, I don't know enough about uh, how long this thing lives and what it lives on because. That'll dictate how the packaging may change. I doubt that the packaging will change. I think the procedures of how manufacturers handle packaging may change. Uh, they may do a, more of a seal wrap or a shrink wrap type of thing where it's not handled yeah. by people uh, instead of running tape across them. You know, a lot of it is production, but you know, in our industry, we do a lot of packing by hand. These manufacturers, even as big as they are, there's still a lot of hand holding involved in the manufacturing process. That may get more automated, so there is not human contact, and that would that right there would eliminate a lot of what you're talking about, the transfer that goes through it. You know, one of the things that we wrote into the protocols, Don, for uh, and we wrote this for K through 12 schools because that's where most of our questions have been coming from recently, and we wrote a decontamination policy, uh, and one of the things that it stresses before, so this is if you had an infected person in a facility, and the custodian was going in to start the decontamination process. Uh, of course, wash their hands, put on their gloves. But the thing we itemized in there first is that they go through and they decontaminate their janitorial closet and their equipment first. And one of the things that we're saying is that steam vapor would be a good thing to use to um, do as much sanitizing on the equipment that you're using. Because if you, as you know, not all of it is wa- uh, washable by a rag and, and your cleaner and disinfectant. So steam vapor, has anybody in distribution been talking about doing that? Not on that scale uh, that I've been aware of. I mean, it, who knows, somewhere somebody's probably talking about it because steam cleaners are being um, pushed around as far as one of the cleaners. Probably with, the problem I see with steam cleaning is it's very precise. Uh, the steam to kill things has to be at steam level, and at that level, you're only about two or inches, probably t- one to two inches away from the nozzle. So you've got to be precisely applying that for it to even work. Well, I but mean, if you're talking about the equipment that you use, you're only talking about certain areas on this equipment that you would need to do that on. The rest of it could be wiped down. My point is, I think these are the processes and procedures, and to your point, the equipment, that we're going to see things are going to be different going forward. Um, you, you know, as you said, you went to the grocery store. I went to it the other day, and there's a guy actually there wiping down the carts before you go in. They're not just available for you. They're taking care of it first. Yeah, I actually saw one at a Walmart uh, with a sprayer spraying down, and I'm assuming he has some kind of a disinfectant solution in the sprayer. He, you know how they rack them up in rows. They, they right. literally spring down the entire row of carts with a, with a solution. So everybody is uh, learning as we go on this. I think that, I mean, some of it's overkill. Some of it's uh, just right. We don't know. We'll, we'll all parse that well, out. Yeah, but, but what's overkill, Don? Well, I, I always say something's better than nothing, right? <laughs> I mean, what we're getting to right now, I told uh, somebody this morning, I said, yeah, we just need to start common, uh, common, excuse me, combining hand soap with a bottle of water instead of a sanitizer. Just bottle a little bottle of hand soap and a bottle of water and say, go wash your hands. I don't care where you are. If we just did that, we could, we could get rid of the shortage of sanitizer, first of all. <laughs> You know, I did see a, uh, and, and to your point, I think that uh, you were talking about uh, things. I saw a gentleman that ha- uh, showed his van. Uh, he was a building service contractor, and his van has a rack in the back of it now with mm-hmm. four five-gallon buddy jugs with water in them, and there they could go. see it marked on water, and on the side of it was a soap dispenser and a, and a, a, and a, a towel dispenser that he's mounted in the back of his van for his employees to use on site. There's a, that's a smart guy. 
He I thought it was too. the details because washing the hands. If you listen to everything, what do they say? Every show, every show, every uh, item, every newscast. Wash your hands. They don't yeah. say sanitize your hands. They say wash your hands because washing kills the germ. It washes it away. And the sanitizer, you still got to. If you read the directions, you're supposed to wash your hands first anyway before you sanitize. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and so as we're talking about washing your hands and and that one of the things that I put in all of the protocol is water, soap, and paper towel because we have to have physical removal. And the other thing is I like the paper towel because now I have something to touch other surfaces. Uh, another video that was out was a kind of a comical thing about this. But the guy, every time that he washed his hands, he t went and touched something. He, he spent 20 minutes going back and forth because he kept <laughs> touching things. Now, I know it was comical, but it is the truth of what goes on. It is. A, there is a process to it, and people have to think it through. It's okay. If you do this, you do this. I went to get my driver's license the other day, and they were really on top of sanitizing everybody. They checked your temperature when you came in, and they, they did all the sanitizing, and they, and they had us fill out our, you know, a form and write our name on it. And when we got over to the lady, I started to talk to her and tell her a little bit about what I do and how I work in the industry and blah, blah, blah. She goes, well, you have any suggestions? I said, yeah, one, stop letting people use the same ink pen over and over over time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is something that my wife's in the restaurant business, and we've always talked about this. You know, you go in, and what do they do? They hand you a dirty menu. Yeah. And, well, and they have gotten, they, I will say my, 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 my son's in the industry and they have gotten better about wiping them down. My issue is they use the same rag to wipe the thing down well, as they do for the first one as they do for the 50th one. And, and in our class on April the 2nd and April the 22nd, we will talk about all these things that Don and I have been talking about. Now, folks, if you've been listening to us, whether you've come on live or recorded, uh, we need to tell you that we are sponsored by Gym Supply, where they've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. We're very happy to be sponsored by them for one reason. Uh, it gives us the ability to do this live podcast with you. The other is, is that it gives us all the tools and the things that we need to give you proper instruction. We do teach from the point of best practices. So if you come to either one of those classes, now these are remote learning. They are not, uh, they are live. They're just not hands-on like we normally do. I'll be actually demonstrating some of the techniques with some of the supplies that Don's mentioning and we're talking. Um, I will probably won't do a live thing on how to wash your hands though, Don. But you know, one of the things that Aaron and I was talking about last Friday or Thursday when we did his podcast is in order to change human behavior, we need a little bit of help. And so one of the things that he had found is that a gentleman every morning put X number of quarters in his left pocket. And every time that he did a behavior that he wanted to do, he'd change the quarter to the right. So his whole thing was by the end of the day was to have a right pocket full of quarters. So we were talking this through to get your idea on this. We were saying we want to start the nickel challenge. A nickel for every time you wash your hands and you should wash your hands at least once an hour. That means in an eight hour day, eight times plus the time you came in and out, that's 10 nickels that you should move every day. What do you think? Well, who gets the nickels? No, you keep your own nickels because the next day you need to do them again. No, if it's a challenge, I want somebody else's nickels. You so, no, I'll say, oh, I see. So you want a competition. Who gets the most nickels, huh? That's right. That's right. Somebody's got to have a piggy bank. We put it all in. At the end of the day, we'll figure it out. But, you know, he, he's absolutely right. And the reason that we are talking, folks, about the fact that you need to do this every hour is because this is the whole thing about washing your hands. The average human touches their face, which is the entrance points for this virus, at least 19 times an hour minimum. So every hour you should wash your hands with water, soap, and a towel because you're going to do it again in the next hour 19 times. And I think this is what people don't understand about the mask that we, that you can't get right now is the mask is just to keep you from touching your, your, your nose and your mouth. Yeah, if I could add one other thing to that, Dave, is uh, keep the phone away from your face. 
Well, you just added it. What else are you going to say about it? No, I just I thought you didn't embellish on it. I, you know, you're the guy that knows all these things. Well, the phone. I look at people using phones. I'm looking at one guy out my side, my office window here right now. The guy's out here using his phone up to his ear, and I'm thinking, I wonder when the last time he actually wiped that phone down. Well, as long as he keeps it to himself, that's. But how many times have you been someplace and somebody hands you their phone? Well, not only that, but how many times you lay your phone down on surfaces you're not aware of how they've been cleaned? This is Everywhere. this is this is the point, you know. And I think or we're all going to be more aware of this now. Yeah, even if you lay them down in stores or restaurants or wherever you're at, you lay your phone down, or you stick it in your back pocket and you sit on places that aren't as clean as they should be, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we can, you can go you can go down this uh, manic phobic pathway to make everybody so crazy they can't even get out of their own bed. But I just tell people that common sense has to rule the day. You're not going to be able to clean every surface. You're not going to be able to clean everything. But you can keep yourself clean, and that's 90% of the battle. Well, and that's why we're self-isolating ourselves is yeah. to to do just that. Uh, wipes. What's the story on wipes? Oh, well, if you can get them, sell them to the highest bidder, I'd say, because they're not out there. They are another allocated process. Think about it as a wipe process. It's a wiper inside of a bucket with a lid, and a, it needs a disinfectant. Every one of those type, every one of those product categories are in shortage right now. So, so go, go ahead, go ahead. You were finished. I was going to say there are some there are some processes out there where you can kind of make your own wipes. Uh, we have some that we are selling, but even those are going to get in short supply because. Paper is actually getting caught up. The paper guys are starting to ramp up and get themselves in up to speed. So wipers, the main ingredient of a wiper is a fiber-woven type of uh, paper or cellulose of some type, I'm sure. And that will get caught up. But you still got to add a disinfectant or solution to it. So my question here then, because I, I, I know what I said on an earlier podcast, just want to get your take on it, and maybe you and I can argue a little bit about it. <laughs> do you need a disinfectant wiper uh in, in my opinion no and okay because, well then you and i aren't going to argue then well because i know where you're I, i've been to your classes dave <laughs> but you're on the same i'm on the same page as you i mean when you're because we have again go michael said earlier as an industry, we have taught people incorrectly for over 30-some years. We've told them that you could spray something down and take a, a, a cloth or a wiper of some kind, some, some utensil, and wipe it off, and that was okay. So we've embedded in people that it's a spray and wipe process no matter what you do. Well, that really, you get, if you're going to do that, you could use water to do that because you're not disinfecting anything at all. So right. now, in the past four or five years, I think, we've, as an industry, started to turn that around a little bit and say, look, the label says it needs dwell time of X, whatever the dwell time is on the product. And I, I tell you, I talk to just consumers and friends of mine, and I tell them this story. And I said, have you ever read the label on your Lysol product? Or have you ever read the label on your Clorox product? Read the, read the details. You mean number there's one, a label? Read the cautionary details, number one. But read the directional details, because the directions all say it needs 10 minutes dwell time on most of their products. They have a few that are less. But the least well, depending on the pathogen that. that you're after, Don. Yeah, well, if you want to be nth degree, hospital grade, killing there you the go. virus, right. then you've got to give it its dwell time it needs to have on there. Well, if you spray a surface with any type of a trigger sprayer or even an aerosol, just keeping it wet, regardless of what's in it, just keeping it wet for 10 minutes is a challenge in most environments. Now, you're not going to do it one time and keep it wet for 10 minutes. So no. the whole thing here is, do I need a disinfectant wiper? Or if I'm just wiping, can I use a baby wipe? Well, if you're just wiping, you can wipe down with anything. You're going to take some residual residue or, or uh, you're going to take some organic matter off the surface with a wipe of any kind. You're going to take some of that off. Are you killing germs and viruses? Probably not. Now, if you use microfiber wipes, properly used and not been uh, not been used for anything else you can get a good bit of germs even off of a surface but you literally have to take that wiper after that single use and then go launder it 
Well, the thing here is, is wiping doesn't kill, wiping doesn't kill anything. Wiping removes. So I think that's the fallacy that we have is that we think that by putting a chemical on a wiper and wiping, we're killing something. And I instruct in class, you are not killing anything because you haven't even given it the minimum of 30 seconds is required on any product to kill any pathogen in, in that time. So all that you're doing is removal. Do I need, I mean, I said this on the air the other day is, hey, if it's good enough to wipe a baby's backside, it should be good enough for me to use on any surface that I want to, to remove as much as I can as quickly as possible. I would agree with that to, with a caveat that baby wipes have some things in them that make the baby's skin not get irritated. And that ingredient, those ingredients are probably not good on your keyboard. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> There's a reason why things are specified to its use. I wasn't thinking about the keyboard. I was thinking about, you know, hey, I got on an airplane and I wanted to wipe things down before I sat down. If there's a shortage of disinfectant wipes, a baby wipe is better than nothing. Well, exactly. Something is always going to be better than nothing. It was, it, but is it going to be what we train people to do? We don't want to get them to be complacent enough that just anything's going to be okay. Well, they so the, to, and the, th the thing was the, the graduation of intensity that happens here. You know, if you're in a hospital, on. you want to use hospital grade power. If you're Correct. at your home, you can use baby wipes and probably feel comfortable because it's your germs you're dealing with unless you have friends invited over. Well, back to your cell phone thing that you were talking about. Yeah, if I'm the only one using it, I don't have to clean it. Yeah, I mean, but you don't need a bait. You don't need a disinfectant wipe that you're you're panicking. You can't find. You can't get. Wipe it with that, or a facial wipe, or some other type of wipe. Paper I think the whole. Water. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, yeah, we say microfiber and water removes ninety nine percent of the pathogens on a surface. You know, that by far is the best thing to do in in, in any case. Yeah, something is always going to be better than nothing. But so what's the other supply challenges? Well, the other supply challenges uh, as this proceeds is, uh, especially if the epidemic uh, increases, is we start to lose working people, the, the, the health care people and the drivers. I mean, I've got a buddy who runs a trucking system he, for FedEx. He's got, uh, I think, 30-some drivers on the road, and several of them said, if I can't get sanitizer to go with me on the road, these guys travel all across the country, two-man two team. Truck never stops for five days, and they said if we can't get if we can't find a, a food source when they're traveling because a lot of the truck stops have closed up, they're going to stop driving. Well, if drivers stop driving, and the workers who deliver things stop working, we're at a standstill. Yep, that becomes a major issue. We have luckily we have people out there that are willing to risk whatever and keep doing the things that we do to supply things. The essential industries are still working but i mean i heard on this morning that uh, some uh, instacart uh, delivery food service they're going to go on strike because they weren't getting paid enough well if that starts to happen and it morphs into other industries all of a sudden you got workers that are complaining i'm not working because of xyz now we have another now we have another epidemic of a different sort well, I think there could be quite possibly yet to be seen unintended consequences from a lot of different actions. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I had a call from a gentleman this morning that, uh, you know, he's a general contractor and he says, I'm thinking about getting into the cleaning business with all of this that's going on. And I'm, I, I applaud him uh, for, first of all, coming to us and saying, I want to get professional advice and, and information before I make this choice and do it. Um, I wish more people would do that. That's why the Academy is here. That's why we have the courses. I think, Don, what you're saying is if we would become uh, educated and certified before we use the tools that you're going to supply them with, then maybe fewer tools could do a better job on an ongoing basis. Well, absolutely. Uh, an educated consumer for us uses probably 70% less uh, product than what they did uh, 10 years ago because they've learned we, we teach them proper procedures which are more procedures than they are product almost everything we have now is procedurally driven we we show them procedures that 
doesn't require 12 products sitting on the shelf or a, a cart full of goodies to go clean the place. I mean, I can give somebody three basic chemicals and a, a bunch of microfiber and I can clean whatever surface they put in front of us. So, so a lot of it is education, which is why you're, what you do is important. These podcasts are important because we have a captive audience out there. If we can just get them to listen to these things, uh, they got nothing else to do. And uh, probably in the next couple of days, they're going to be looking for whatever is out there to occupy their minds. Well, and the truth to what you're saying is, is in the, in the last few weeks, and I would say uh, the weeks of March right here, we, we sell courses, but we're selling probably 20 times more courses right now than we normally would. We've got people, you know, signed up for remote classes where everybody was asking me, why are you doing that? Now it's the thing. I, I think going forward, as you're saying on the supply end, the education component will be recognized differently. So this is why we, we you know, if you will, we kind of have a perfect marriage here between us. Yeah, exactly. And uh, to, to your point, I was actually sitting there thinking this morning, you know, I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands here. I might as well learn how to speak Spanish. <laughs> so I'm going to maybe take a Spanish class while I'm sitting home here self-quarantining. Well, Don, I'll let you go on that one by yourself. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I've probably been told I should do that because I've been getting that question, but uh, I don't think Spanish is going to be one of those fortes I'm going to go after. Maybe you should start with English. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. With that, uh, I'm out. <laughs> uh, uh, folks, you can tell that Don and I know each other fairly well. Don's been been on one of my shows before, and I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and helping me get through it this afternoon, Don. No problem, Dave. I'm out. Be safe. Good enough. You know, as we kind of joked and had a little bit of fun with this this afternoon, folks, uh, I, I want to tell you that you know this is a serious business, and we do have to add a little levity and uh, thanks Don for coming on and adding a little bit of light to it. Our class on the second, let me finish out uh, today with kind of giving you a kind of an overview of what we're going to be talking about on the second and on the 22nd, because this is a serious thing. We've been working very hard to update our basic infection prevention class to make it well, should I say, a little bit more robust and pointed to the issues at hand. We're going to start the uh, morning because it starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to start talking about the challenges that we face right now, what we are doing, how the system works as far as what's going on right now. We're then going to talk about some basic terms that you should know. And then before you go into a facility, what are the risks and how to assess the risks so that you know what PPE that you should put on? After that, we're going to uh, probably work into the afternoon talking about bacteria and viruses and how they move and, well, get from one place to the other. We're going to talk about understanding what kind of microbes that you're actually well, working against, if you will, that you're trying to control because these are pathogenic organisms that cause illnesses. We'll talk about one of the big ones that happens every fall. Everybody around the world knows it. It's called influenza. We'll talk about staph, uh, which is MRSA. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, these three, these pathogenic organisms, how they move around a facility, what you should do. Is there a way to have healthy infection prevention? You know, disinfectants, as Don was talking, uh, you know, they're made to do one thing, kill. We'll talk about those killing solutions, which are, well, disinfectants, what chemicals you should uh, use, maybe, uh, the different types of different disinfectants that are there. Then we'll continue on talking about well, what kind of options are there if I don't want a chemical killer? You know, and I hate to say it that way, but as we said, that's what disinfectants are for. We're also going to then outline the decontamination of an infected area. Now, this will be kind of general. It's not going to cover every single situation. We're going to give you a few uh, ideas. We're going to outline, basically, we're going to take a K through 12 school and kind of walk through some of the things that you would look at, uh, you know, and things to do. Now, this will not be a step-by-step -step program. 
this is more conceptual and ideas. Every organization is going to have to lay out their own step by step. There's also, we've included from the CDC, some considerations for employers. What should they be looking at doing? What should they be putting into their program? And then I think probably one of the best things before we finish it and take our final exams is how to measure and monitor the outcomes. You know, as Don and I talked through this this afternoon, just doing something isn't enough. If we can't measure what we're doing and we can't monitor that, which is something we haven't historically been doing very well as an industry, I think this is one of the steps that you'll see that will change quite a bit going forward. Uh, how do we do that? What do we need to do? We'll, we'll talk through that. It will be a six hour class. We'll take a few breaks in it. We'll have some exams. Uh, one of the questions I got was, is there a certification? Yes, there is a certification. If you pass the exams, there'll probably be about four or five different exams through the afternoon. They will be taken at the time of the class. We tell everybody, even though this is remote learning, you're gonna be doing this through your computer. If you will have a webcam, it would be the best because then that way I as an instructor can see you and we can have two-way communication. Of course, you know, with probably upwards around 30 or 40 people on the class at one time, not everybody can talk at the same time. So uh, there'll be a lot of chatting uh, on the chat box. And, you know, since we've never done this class quite this way at this length, I'm probably going to tell everybody that uh, we have a projected stop time at 5 p.m. Eastern, but I have a feeling this class might go longer than that. It's a large subject, a lot of things to talk about, and if we need to, we'll do a follow-up class with the people that have registered and paid. So we invite all of you to come to the April 2nd class as we tape this today. This is only the 30th, so you've got two more days to uh, join in, we'll put that in the show notes, the link for that. If you missed the second, uh, the class on the second, that's why we have another class uh, scheduled for the 22nd. We already have some people registering for that class because of their time frame. I wanna say thank you for joining us this afternoon, listening, coming on live with us this afternoon. Big thanks to Papa Don for coming on and uh, making my afternoon a little bit brighter. Folks, we say this every time that we have a podcast, everything we do here at the Academy, make sure that whatever you do between now and the time I talk with you again, you keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. And remember, I won't be here tomorrow afternoon, but we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good one. We're out of here.